time of prayer tonight as we have done on a number of occasions here recently. And so I won't be very long. But I want to share a few thoughts with you. I was listening to an interview that was done of Leonard Ravenhill a number of years ago. And I think it was in 1989, if I remember correctly. And the question was asked to him, what is the greatest need in our churches today? This was in 1989. And he said, I won't give you my opinion. He said, I'll give you a Bible answer. And he said, he took him to a passage in Jeremiah that talked about their heart had departed from the Lord. And they had broken cisterns. And uh, he said one of the greatest needs in, uh, in our churches today is a return to God. Uh, a number of folks here recently, I was, I was reading an article, and I'm not sure when this poll was taken. It's been in recent years, though. But a poll was taken and written in the, uh, on the front page of USA Today uh, a, a number of years, maybe a year or two ago, uh, on religious groups in the United States of America. And they have found from this secular poll, certainly is not a spiritual poll, but uh, USA Today or whatever group did it. And the thing that they found was that the fastest growing group in America was a group that they called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. The nuns were people that when they took the survey, they said, what religious affiliation do you have? And they said, we have none. The fastest growing group in what is to be referred to as a Christian nation, a nation that God has so blessed with religious liberty. And as we look back in our history, great revivals and great times of revivals. And yet the fastest growing group in the United States, and this was just a couple of years ago, and I think it would, it would help us, I think, to live with this thought in mind. I don't know how many people I come across in a, in a week's time that don't have the slightest inkling of a thought for God that entire week. Uh, unless you bring it up, unless you say, I'll be praying for you, or unless you say, uh, invite them to church, they have no thought of God. They go through their entire week and never even give God a thought. And I'll tell you this, because America has taken God out of so many areas of our public life, because America has actually outlawed God in the schools and in the time of influencing young people. We are seeing a generation growing up, and it's growing exponentially at this point by leaps and bounds, of a generation and now a generation that's been raised by a generation that does not have any, any concern towards the things of God. In Psalm 26, the the psalmist writes this. This is uh, what is called as a psalm of ascension. Uh, there were 15 of these that were written in the psalms, starting in Psalm 120 and going through Psalm 134. And these were psalms that were written so that when the people of God were ascending to Mount Zion to worship to the, to the temple, that they would sing these songs as they would grow closer and closer to the temple as they would go up. And as we look at this, they began by praising God in verse 1 of the 126th Psalm. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. 
Brother Tully preached on this the other day, and boy, what a joy it was to our hearts. I don't know about you all, but I know the men that were here. It was just such a timely, timely message. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen. I want you to notice that. The Lord hath done great things for them. Can I tell you this? When we draw closer to the Lord, the heathen sit up and take notice. When God breaks the captivity, when God begins to do a work in our lives, the heathen take notice. And God had turned the captivity that Israel had been in. If you take time to read Psalm 137, it talks about them being in a time of captivity and how they were required to sing a song and they could not. The Bible says they hung their harps upon the willows. And yet here we find that God breaks their captivity and they rejoice with singing. The song has been restored. God has broken the captivity. And when God did those things, the heathen sat up and take notice. It says that the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I want us to notice a couple things real quick and we'll be done. There's a word in here that is used three different times, and that is the word again. I'm thankful that when we get away from God, and when God is not where He needs to be in our lives, and when there is what we would call, I guess, captivity or hindrances in our lives to keep us from doing the work that God has given for us to do, I'm thankful that He comes again. And he says in verse number 1, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, then was our mouth filled, uh, 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 we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity. This was the prayer of their hearts. O Lord, as the streams in the south, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. There was a time in America when those that would sow and go out into the fields, the harvest fields, would bring their sheaves with them rejoicing. And my, my challenge tonight from God's Word is this. Could we pray that God would do it again? That God would do it again. And then I want you to notice that He says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. I, I don't want to... I, I, fear, I fear preaching on a topic like this because... My fear is that we will artificially generate things or we'll uh, outwardly do things that really need to just stem from the heart. But we've lost our tears. A number of years ago, the Salvation Army, when it was under the leadership of William Booth, they uh, were more emphasis on the salvation than they were on the humanitarian things that they do today. And... uh, William Booth had sent one of his lieutenants and a group of fellows to an area to evangelize the area. They spent a number of uh, days and I think a couple of weeks there. And they had done everything they could. The preaching was good. The music was good. They had done everything that they could and they had seen zero results. And so the lieutenant wrote back to William Booth and said, we've tried this and we've tried that. We've tried the preaching. We've tried the singing. We've tried to meet their physical needs. We've done everything that we've always done before. We've not had any results. And William Booth wrote back a letter. 
It had two words in it for the lieutenant. It said, try tears. Try tears. Folks, we're living in a time where if God doesn't return in my lifetime, I worry about what my son's going to have to grow up in. And we're living in a country that we have more missionaries being sent here than every other country but one to try to reach the United States of America with the gospel. There was a time, and I heard a preacher a number of years ago say there was a time that we called the altar in our churches the mourner's bench. And he made this statement. He said, our altars are dry rotting. Somebody asked an old preacher one time, said, what is the secret of your power? He brought him into a room and said, I want you to take and put your elbows on this desk. And he did. And he said, I want you to put your face in your hands. And he did. He said, now let the tears flow. God did not pin under inspiration of Scripture, of the Holy Spirit. The psalmist did not pin, they that sow shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. He said, they that sow in tears. He that goeth forth, not just bearing precious seed, but he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. We, if we're not careful, will become too... uh, programmed in how we serve and how we labor, to professional in our approach to ministry. And the Holy Spirit will have no work at all in the work and the labor. There needs to be a revival among God's people of brokenness. I heard one preacher say this one time. He said, we ought, we ought to be broken for the lost. But he said, have you ever been broken for the reproach that our Savior has in this world? You ever wept and said, Lord, help us. Help us to correct the reproach that's in this world. To weep for that. To say, Lord, help this lost world, this dark world that we live in. I've been amazed at how many times in the last several weeks people have come and said, Pastor, it just seems like here recently God has just given so many opportunities. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, it's not just limited to the Keith Heights Baptist Church. I've talked to people in Florida. I've talked to people in Tennessee. I talked to some folks over in Indiana the other day. They all are starting to say the same thing, that there just seems to be an unusual liberty and opportunities coming their way to reach people with the gospel. And I told them something that I, that I believe, and this is my opinion. I'm going to tell you that up front because I can't show you this from Scripture. My opinion is this, that God is, as a merciful and a gracious God, is giving man every opportunity before his return. It's almost as though he's, he's opening up doors and possibilities for us to share the gospel one more time, one more push of trying to reach people with the gospel. And you say, Brother Greg, people have thought that for years, and, and God may be another hundred years before He comes back. And that may be. I don't know. 
But I will say this, that there has been certainly an opening of some doors recently. There have been opportunities to share the gospel recently. And I think that there needs to be among our hearts and among as we pray for God to do a work and to give us opportunities, I believe that when we take this precious seed that we have, this message that God's given to us, that I think the most amazing thing about, and that is this, that He took the most precious thing He has and He puts it in our hands. and says, I'm going to put you in trust with it. I don't know why God does that. I mean, we're a sinful man. We're weak. We don't... We don't we don't, we're not faithful to God every time. We're, we fail Him. Why God would do that, I'm not sure. But He has. And as a result, I think that when we take this precious seed that God has given to us, this wonderful gospel message, I told somebody the other day, I, I felt bad Sunday. I had another message ready for Sunday morning. And when we saw all the visitors here, I, I told them, I said, I know I've preached the last four weeks on salvation. Our people are going to get tired of it. At some point, we've got to feed the sheep too, but how can you have that many in a service and not preach salvation? William Booth, I think, had wisdom from God when he wrote those two words. Try tears. Jesus, when He was uh, standing with two of the dearest friends on earth that He had, they were weeping because of the loss of their brother. The Bible says that Jesus wept. He didn't weep because of Lazarus. I've heard preachers preach that before. Well, he was sad, sorrowful that Lazarus had died. He wasn't weeping for that reason. He knew what was getting ready to happen. So why would he be weeping for Lazarus? He was weeping because as he looked looked around, he saw so many of his own children, his own people, that did not know him. Brother Ravenhill said the greatest need among our churches is for us to know God. To spend some time bringing His presence back into our churches. And yes, shedding some tears along the way. It's interesting to me, Psalm 126 is the seventh out of 15 Psalms of Ascension, or Psalms of Degrees, I think, as some Bibles will label them. And this is interesting. If you look at the psalm in Psalm 126, they begin with rejoicing and singing. And uh, the folks that study these things and have written about the backgrounds and the histories of how these psalms were done say that these psalms were to be sung as they were walking up the mountain to go to the temple for their worship. And the, the comment was made in one of the things that I had read on it that the closer they got to the presence of God, the lower they became. They went from singing and rejoicing to the end of the psalm, they were weeping. 
And John spoke of that, didn't he? He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Folks, we're living in a world where the fastest growing group of people in our country are people who have no thought of God at all. None. We've got, we've got the seed. It's a precious seed. We've got the ability and the liberty to go out and to sow it into the fields. We've got the opportunity to water it and cultivate it. To go out and harvest it. But the psalmist said, there needs to be another ingredient. There needs to be some weeping. There needs to be some weeping. I wonder when the last time was that we shed tears for the lost. When was the last time that we shed tears for our country? When was the last time we shed tears because we so longed for God's presence to be real? His closeness to be real in our churches and in our lives personally. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, the Bible says, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And I ask the question tonight, and we'll be done, and then we'll go to our prayer time. But what has happened to our tears? What has happened to them? I remember when I was young in ministry, I've shared this with a few people here. I, there was a time where I was, I don't know if it was because I worked so much and, and just was worn out all the time, but there was a period of time in my life where nothing phased me emotionally at all. I mean, some of the saddest situations where people ought to be sad, I had no grief over. I had no sorrow in my heart for them. I had no brokenness there. I remember praying. I remember asking God, and I was so—I felt like I was so dried up spiritually in some ways. And I remember praying and asking God, Lord, send me my tears. I, I've lost them. I don't know where they're at. I don't know if you've ever been there before. It's not a good place to be. But I found this, that if we pray and ask God to give them back to us, He will. He will. And maybe, just maybe, we'll be able to do the work that God's given us to do effectively and then allow God to give an increase. I don't know about you, I'd love to see another great revival before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that'd be the heartbeat of most everybody here tonight. I really do. I think most of us would say, yes, that's what I'd long to see. And I'm not talking about having revival services. I'm talking about a God-given, Holy Spirit-filled revival. And God can still do it, but it may take a few tears. All right? Let's uh, go ahead and pray, and then we'll dismiss. And if you would like to go downstairs and pray for a little bit, that's fine. If you need to go, I know it's the lateness of the hour, that's fine too. But we'll leave things where folks can go around and pray if they'd like to for a little while yet. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it and use it. Bless our time together, pray. And may you bless it and use it to accomplish your work in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we've sought and longed for in the recent months you to do a great work. And Lord, we are broken. Oftentimes we, we sorrow, our hearts are broken as we look at the opportunities that we have missed. Lord, we may we not miss anymore. For others, I pray that you'd help us to give a broken heart for them. Put our eyes upon the lost and on the fields that are wide already unto harvest. 
And Lord, may You do a work through us. May You empower us and strengthen us. May Your presence be very real in our lives. And Lord, that You would do a work in the hearts of the people that we meet, that we talk with, that we would see the transforming work of Your Holy Spirit as they put their faith and their trust in You. Bless the time that we spend together praying. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you'd like to break up.